Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. This week, V4 turned 30. Uh, on this occasion, uh, on Monday, exactly on that date, 15th of February, we had a Visegrad Inside Breakfast special guest, Magdalena Vasharyova, former ambassador to Warsaw and former ambassador to Vienna on behalf of Slovakia. She was also um, previously Deputy Minister for Foreign Affairs uh, in the Slovak government and is now with the Slovak Foreign Policy Association. And not, uh, I mean, and one other interesting part of her bio is that she was a, an actress, a, a very popular one. Um, uh, in in the 20th century. Now, uh, as V4 turns 30, and we'll hear a couple of sound bites uh, from this exclusive Visegrad Insight breakfast that we usually have only uh, reserved for um, diplomats, uh, think tankers, uh, foreign correspondents or or foreign policy uh, journalists, uh, we want to discuss a couple of other things. My name is Wojciech Przybylski, and uh, Quincy. Yes, uh, I'm here as well, Quincy Klut. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, Quincy, about uh, uh, what topics uh, are uh, today the hot topics for Visegrad Inside, and what to, what you can read on the on the website. Um, uh, I find it very peculiar take that despite the V4 anniversary, and we're going to have. Uh, this week also meeting with uh, EU representatives, prime ministers of V4 meet uh, with Jean-Michel and we'll see who else is meeting as well. But but uh, some some big countries in in central in the European Union still seem to be missing out on the fact that Central Europe exists. Yes, I mean, this brings us to a um, a long, very good piece by uh, Raduel Comanescu, a our Visegrad Insight fellow, who is talking about France and Central Europe, um, a very particular, not always easy relationship. And uh, well, uh, Radu is an, an enthusiast of uh, of France, I would say France, French diplomacy, um, and also somebody who's been following Central Central Eastern European affairs already for a long time. And he takes a long perspective uh, to look at essentially what in the past also has gone wrong between France and Central Europe. It hasn't always been the easiest relationship. Um, I think um, France has always had a certain ambition about European leadership. Uh, but at at some point also often disregarding sort of the importance or the interests also of Central Europe. And so he he plunges into into that story. So it it, it very much is also a history of the V4 of the last 30 years, uh, how they also change in the relationship. Um, yeah, and I, I remember uh, French uh, presidents usually had a very special relationship to the Visegrad group in Central Europe. One of them said, well, uh, Central Europeans lost the opportunity to shut up that that was when the uh, Iraqi war broke up and uh, broke out and 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 the v4 joined the coalition um, the us-led coalition and there was another opportunity when uh, Sarkozy was complaining about uh, v4 he was complaining that the v4 is actually coordinating positions ahead of EU summits then there was uh, there were there were different other um, of course there were visits also of of uh, French presidents meetings with the V4. But now, what what is the take of Macron on Central Europe? 
Well, Macron, as we remember also at Visegrad Insight from last year, also visited uh, Central Europe. And there has been perhaps an attempt uh, to to improve those relations with Central Europe, also to some extent with the Baltics, as we've seen recently. But it's, uh, it's not an easy course. It's not an easy trajectory. There are a couple of dossiers on the table which are just very difficult to solve. One, uh, which Radu points out very much, is Russia um, and France having this this sort of uh, ambition still to think in geostrategic Eurasian terms uh, doesn't understand also the interests and, and and sort of what the V4, what Central Europe, but also to some extent Eastern partnership countries bring to the table. Mm. It is very much, uh, as we sometimes see also in some German circles about understanding uh, Russian uh, interests in the region also as much as possible. But I want to point out maybe that... Um, What's really interesting about the article is that, uh, yes, it is about the V4. It is also very much uh, about uh, French diplomacy, foreign policy. Uh, but uh, you'll you'll pick up a lot of a lot of extra historical context there as well. History of French uh, diplomacy, uh, in particular. So. I found it fascinating. In fact, uh, when we presented Central European Futures, our report with scenarios on, on Central Europe, uh, also at the for French Foreign Ministry. That uh, the department that deals with Central Europe in the Foreign Ministry of, of France uh, is a department that that mm, extends its geographical uh, interest from the countries of V4 up um, up until uh, Turkmenistan, and uh, and it it was the most uh, interesting map I ever seen to be uh, to be you know to to have Poland or Czechia on on the on the western uh, border of the map, and Turkmenistan was uh, <laughs> somewhere somewhere there on the far uh, east end. And that was this uh, social geographical memory that, uh, that the French administration seems to, uh, seems to have. I'm, I'm sure it is not the same in the, in the departments that deal specifically with the European Union because it's something else. But there is a long, uh, long uh, um, uh, residue, cultural residue to, to that places um, uh, Central Europe V4, uh, also some kind of the in the in the Orient, in the mm -hmm. in the in the in something beyond uh, the borders of yeah. of, of, of Europe. Um, but speaking of of borders and and crossing crossing over to Russia, uh, we have another uh, article uh, by Zuzana Sabo, our. Our fellow as well uh, at Visegrad Inside, Susanna is uh, focusing on security, energy markets, and the big plans, uh, pipeline plans, and rivalry, uh, rivalry be, be between um, uh, well uh, Russia and let's say transatlantic security, uh, where Russia uses the pipeline system uh, to extend its power and influence over Europe. Uh, that's why it's uh, building Nord Stream 2, despite all odds and, and circumstances. And at the same time, it's trying to circle uh, and circle Central Europe from the, from the south, paralyzing plans that would diversify gas markets um, around the Black Sea, um, and to, it's, it's an old rivalry. We, we have seen it also in, in many instances before. Um, and it's a rivalry that uh, uh, has been sometimes reviving Central Europe in 2008. Uh, the gas crisis, um, that when, when Russia stopped the flow of gas through, um, through Belarus and, and, and Ukraine, urged V4 uh, to uh, come together and 
in a coordinated way uh, act on on the EU agenda to to you know to alert to flag the issue. Now, uh, wh- what do you make of, of, of Susanna's analysis? It, it's it's very detailed one, and it's, it's impossible to mm-hmm. <laughs> to tell it uh, all in one. But but your your key takeaways, perhaps? Well, I mean, it hasn't been the first uh, piece uh, by Susanna on the questions of energy, and and, and she has a particular interest in in uh, Russian and Chinese investments also um, in the region. Uh, what I like about the article is it's it's a very good um, how to say uh, update on what is happening with Turk's Stream, Nord Stream, um, really showing sort of um, what are the interests at hand, but also some of the obstacles uh, for all of these different pipeline projects. And um, Zuzana is also particularly looking at at the role Hungary is trying to play there, more and more trying to profile itself a little bit as a Central European energy hub, um, which knowing a little bit uh, the political context of uh, Viktor Orban and then um, his uh, relationship with Russia, but also with the Chinese, which is an interesting development and which does pit uh, Hungary to some extent to the other uh, against the other V4 states when it comes to energy, when it comes to also this transatlantic security dimension. That is definitely something she she picks up on and uh, which I encourage people to to read more about. Yeah, well, uh, there. So this is about the hard security. You would even say, well, perhaps this is not about tanks, but uh, energy flows in Central Europe and across Central Europe has been defining uh, the the security, including democratic sec- the, the the term democratic security that we use that we focus on uh, for a long time. And now um, we are going to uh, also listen to some of the takeaways and and look look back in the last. Uh, uh, 30 years or even centuries uh, ago to, to hear from Magdalena Vasharyova uh, from the Visegrad Inside Breakfast, an exclusive format for diplomats, think tankers, journalists and our uh, special subscribers. Subscribe to Visegrad Insight uh, with the special code WHEELOFFEU for a 50% discount for the next three months. Now, let's listen to what Magdalena Vasharyova had to say to our exclusive group of diplomats, think tankers and journalists on the anniversary of the V4. First, as we'll hear, she reminded the naivete of the Central European project. Thank you very much for for this opportunity to share with you my my really personal remembrance uh, and today's reflection on the importance of uh, cooperation in Central Europe, which uh, has been renamed uh, Visegrad, Visegrad, Visegrad 4. Um, as a witness, really witness from the very beginning and very close collaborator of President Václav Havel, uh, he, was, he was initiator of the cooperation in Central Europe. Uh, First of all, I have to declare that at the start, that according to me, V4 cooperation is still useful, still necessary, and it's a really historically unique cooperation in Central Europe. Uh, due to we have short time and uh, 
and awareness of uh, mostly of you about the problem and this only distance I hate. I would like to remember to, to embrace all of you after the, such a many days of isolation. And uh, so I would limit my performance um, with five headlines. First of all, I will speak about uh, our naivety, then uh, uh, about apprehension of our historical experiences, then um, general misunderstanding from the beginning of this cooperation, then uh, what we need desperately, it means uh, pragmatism and, uh, and uh, patience, and then uh, what a pity, uh, the, my last point is that we fatally miss the most important opportunity. So some few words uh, um, for each point. Naivety of us. Yes, uh, today after 30 years, uh, we have forgotten these, uh, these unique emotions of the months uh, uh, after 89 and uh, the big joy that uh, uh, about the, the, the all possibilities we had only dreamed before uh, and they had opened uh, up uh, before us. Uh, we assumed that everyone would welcome us and rejoice with us. That was the leading idea. We are here, hello Europa. And uh, for a few months, it looked like that. We naively, really naively forgot about the real problems of the Central Europe. For example, the problems that arose at the time of the disintegration of the Habsburg monarchy. And not only this, but disintegration of the Habsburg, of the, of the Hungarian kingdom after 880 years. Uh, we have forgotten that the Western states, which didn't know well enough what to do uh, immediately after the first war, uh, what to do with the small nation states in Central Europe, and agreed for arrangement of Hitler in Munich, and then arrangement of Stalin in Yalta. Uh, and then for 40 years, it was a peaceful time for everybody in Europe. We were this, uh, dis we disappeared from the maps practically. Uh, this sovereignty came quickly, and Václav Havel and we around him. I was at that time uh, from March 90 ambassador, the first non-communist ambassador in Austria. Um, Thought started to, thought, to, to think again about the dangers and the threats uh, around us. Not only from the, at that time, Soviet Union or uh, Russia the, today, but we began to remember the conflict and unresolved problems between us. Uh, let me mention only briefly, uh, Hungarian Magyar troops invaded uh, and occupied Slovakia 1920-21. Uh, Czechoslovakia fought in the small wars um, um, 
uh, about the northern uh, northern frontiers with Poland. A Slovak army occupied with Hitler army in 1939 Poland. And so on and so on, I could go on with the, all these problems. That was also why in April 90, President Havel convened a meeting of not only politicians, but also the, the important personalities of the whole Central European countries and Italy um, and um, invited them to come to Bratislava. Uh, that was not Bratislava, why Bratislava? That was partly also to reassure the Slovak nationalists. They woke up uh, that uh, and they reassure him that them that he's not only sitting in uh, in Prague in the castle on the castle uh, and partly uh, also to respond to the initiative of the at the time Italian Foreign Minister Demichelis um, and his efforts to revive the the, the ties. Um, of the whole Central Europe to this to his native Trieste. Uh, the idea was uh, was uh, very much uh, it was catched up by the by the very the, the historian the uh, Magyar historian the Hungarian historian and at that time the Foreign Minister Geza Jesenski. And uh, Hungarians offered a symbol for this cooperation, Visegrad. So it means Visegrad uh, in uh, our uh, our Czech and Slovak language. Uh, the, at the time, the naive Slovak politicians they they were not able to cope um, this uh, Havel's offer to pick up and involve Bratislava as a capital of Slovakia into the international summit businesses. And uh, this was one naivety, really, the, the second naivety. The third naivety uh, of us uh, was that we thought we could convincingly explain the, all the Westerner and especially Western socialists uh, from Germany to Spain, what uh, we really had experienced under the totalitarian regimes, what uh, really Russia looked like, what uh, was really behind the idea of the communist uh, paradise on earth, and uh, what really had happened to us for these 40 years behind Iron Curtain. Uh, we even believed that the Western elites and universities wanted to hear it from us. And I have to be sincere today, we haven't been able to do that. And uh, we, have, we, have, uh, we have to admit it, really. On the contrary, the Central European states are today problem again, um, uh, and uh, the, from the former general uh, German Chancellor to the Spanish socialists from the European Parliament, some Westerners 
again admire the ability of Mr. Putin to rule without this horrible and terrible democracy. So this was our naivety. Second, apprehension of our historical experiences. Uh, during the process of uh, removing Warsaw Pact, Comecon, um, we started to speak uh, to each other for the first time in our history after the dissolving of monarchy. Uh, Poland and Hungary were fundamentally opposed to the uh, establishing of Czechoslovakia in Paris Peace Conference, 1920. Uh, the Poles maintained an autonomous Slovak government on their territory until 1936. Uh, even under the rule of Moscow, we didn't maintain sincere and open relationship with each other, although we were communist brothers. Um, and after a year of solidarity, 1980 in Poland, we were banned from entering Poland and to discuss with Polish people. So uh, the only allowed conversation among us um, was through Moscow. If you see, for example, the, the pipelines, we have now problem with uh, with uh, with uh, Northern Baltic pipeline. Yes, again. But if you see, there were no connections between us, no communication channels, no bridges, no roads, no railways. Uh, elite meetings were controlled and strictly censored. So. At the meeting, we could not miss the elephant in the room, Mr. Orban. And this is what Magdalena Vasharyova had to say about this politician and his claim for leadership in the V4. After establishing the Visegrad 3 and then Visegrad 4, that was the first time, the first opportunity for us for an open and honest conversation. Um, between these four nations living here. Um, so the main quality until today for me is that we talk to each other. Uh, we only uh, just have to keep protesting for Viktor Orban's speeches uh, on behalf of all of us. Yes, uh, I understand that. Viktor was a longtime friend of mine personal friend. Um, I, I understand that he's trying to look bigger and important, but this tendency uh, of uh, Hungarians to appropriate the entire V4 is not only regrettable or undiplomatical, but also very dangerous for us. Uh, the third point, general misunderstandings of our goals from the very beginning. So we three, or then later we four, were accompanied of the decades by misunderstanding from both sides, from the inside among us 
And, uh, and here I would mention, for example, the constant effort for three or three and a half years uh, of then uh, Prime Minister of the Czech Republic, Miloš Zeman, to expand the V4 to Slovenia. Otherwise, he is not, he is going out of the Visegrad cooperation. For several years, and I am, I, I am a witness of this, Viktor Orban sent to the meetings only subaltern officials and they didn't participate in the talks. Uh, also Poland, from the very beginning, didn't know how to settle in, uh, in the, in, in the four, V4 and uh, hesitated among the importance of W3, so with France and Germany, um, as a big state in the EU. So, and from the outside, I would mention, for example, Austria's constant efforts to either join V4 or abolish the V4 and uh, incorporate us into the Austrians' numerous initiatives. Uh, me personally, I was also under the pressure of many, many Austrians, friend of mine, um, how to deal, how to how to switch on the, to cooperation with us. Um, today we have to deal with uh, Trujmoze, yes, coming from from Mr. Roman Domowski's idea that the Poland will will uh, join all the states from the three seas uh, area and. Uh, after the ceremonial burial of the Demovsi's bones, uh, this is the captured, uh, captured idea of uh, Mr. Jaroslav Kaczynski, I, I think. Um, as far my memory serves, uh, journalists, European and ours, uh, wrote for the first 10 years after each meeting of uh, prime ministers, um, that before uh, uh, is falling apart, uh, that uh, it made no sense to have such a cooperation, that it was it, it, it has been useless, and uh, that's why the serious criticism, which could help us, was impossible to find. Uh, now some Czech politicians begin to boast before as a as a break as a hindrance of the immigration policy of the EU. I quote uh, two days ago, I quote a uh, former young collaborator of Havatsal Havel, Sasha Vondra. We are, thank God, far from a horrible welcoming policy of the EU, we V4. Um, as was mentioned, I served as a, as a deputy minister of foreign affairs 2005 and six, and at that time I proposed uh, to establish small permanent secretariat of V4 so that the, the, our cooperation wouldn't be so depend on the political culture of our nowadays prime ministers and their uh, internal political position. And uh, V4 should have 
um, finally really stable institutional memory. Um, this uh, thought I lost, uh, Mr. Prime Minister, at that time my Prime Minister Zulinda was strictly against. And uh, I will quote uh, one day ago a statement of uh, Czech Minister Petřiček. Um, uh, he, he, he wrote, the only institution remains the international Visegrad Fund, and in our opinion, it should remain so in the future. So we will not have the institutional memory, and we will be uh, day by day depend on the officials in the ministries of foreign affairs, and they, every year is somebody else there. So it's a, it's a big hindrance, according to me. The point fours. And finally, the last part we're going to uh, feature in today's episode, in which Ms. Uh, Vasharyova explains the Slovak experience of the V4, a very peculiar one. Uh, Slovakia was uh, left with an empty chair until it uh, underwent democratic process and transformation and uh, liberated itself from the Mecha regime. And, we, and Ms. Vasharyova discusses the strategy behind it, the strategic patience, um, a very interesting idea from, from the point of view of what could be the advice for the years and decades to come. Pragmatism and patience. This is what uh, our political elites must learn, really. And uh, we have to speak about the, not only the, about the Warsaw Pact and Comic-Con and so on, but also uh, about the biggest success of my country, Slovakia, which will be no, not, not possible without Visegrad 4. Um, for example, uh, Poland and Czech Republic help us, and especially Pol Polish elites, help us pushing for the second NATO opening. Um, then, without helping uh, especially Czech partners, we will not be able to start the pre-accession negotiation with the EU because we were postponed. Um, and we would not be ready to join the EU together as a V4 in 2004. Um, that's why the Visegrad 4 engine is, uh, the, has a strategic importance for my country. Not only because we have a common borders with all of, all, all of them. Um, Cooperation within the V4 made it impossible to implement at that time of uh, 1996, when I am correct, the Primakov's plan to have the Slovak Republic as a wedge in, uh, of, the, of the Russian influence into the Central Europe. Because Slovakia was a very problematic partner between 1994 and 1998 with Mechia undemocratic regime. Uh, but our partners with patience and pragmatic behavior and support our democratic forces 
managed it. And we are now together in the European Union, in NATO and, and so on and so on. So today, we are waiting for the parliamentary elections uh, in Czech Republic this year, in October, and uh, which may also decide whether the Czech Republic will join Eurozone. And this is, uh, uh, we consider this is important, not only for the Slovak Czech cooperation, but also for the whole Visegrad Four. Um, because otherwise, the Slovak Republic will be, will be like an island in Central Europe, uh, and we will be among the Eurosceptic governments uh, of neighboring states. And such a position has never been safe for a long time and uh, comfortable, really. And uh, my last point, not to be too, too long, uh, we fatally miss the most biggest opportunity. We have missed this great opportunity to play finally a decisive role within the EU. And not only EU, but the whole Europe, strengthening finally our role as a as a really reliable partner, a pro-integration regime engine and a democratic-minded Europeans. We are almost 63 million of us. We are bigger than the Great Britain. So, uh, and that moment was the immigration crisis instead of evaluating all the consequences for the future, we leaned toward all sins, features, uh, so fears and prejudices um, born um, uh, at the end of 19th century. We succumbed to these nationalist ideas of the pure ethnic states. Uh, as, as was advocated in Poland for, for, by Roman Domowski, yes, um, who is now the hero for Mr. Kaczynski. Yes, uh, the neo-nationalism is being revived in all states, of course, and Brexit is a, uh, is a really good proof of that. But I'm sure that we will not have a similar chance as uh, to show our really true qualities and convictions for the next 20 years. Uh, our ministers can compete with the statements I quote from yesterday, we strive for a substantive and rational dialogue or we promote a Europe of fundamental values of democracy, freedom and human rights, doesn't matter while the V4 governments and parliaments violated the fundamental principles and liberal values, and not only liberal values, but also values of Christianity. Uh, when uh, when it, I'm out of immigration, please, women in V4 state, um, 
strive for promoting their basic human rights after obtaining a hundred years ago our voting rights and so on and so on. Not speaking about the freedom of uh, speech and uh, freedom of news and, and so on and so on. Achievements, so not statements, shape today public opinion and uh, not only inside of our countries, but also abroad. Uh, and uh, I am really today very sorry that we have thrown away this chance to become not again a problem for the Westerners, but a problem solver. Thank you very much. And that was Magdalena Vasharyova at the Visegrad Inside Breakfast on the occasion of the 30th anniversary of the Visegrad Group, 15 February 2020. If you want to explore uh, the Visegrad Group cooperation a little bit more, uh, we prepare something special for, for the listeners of this podcast. Uh, go to the website, um, see, uh, look for a post, uh, 10 things you should know about the Visegrad Group. And uh, there are some fan facts, there is, there is some piece of advice and knowledge. Uh, importantly, you will hear uh, also how to pronounce the name of the group correctly. Um, so all the useful information there, uh, just for our listeners, especially for our listeners and uh, subscribers uh, of the Visegrad service and that's it for today uh, thank you all for listening uh, please leave your uh, feedback on your favorite social media platform um, and also on your uh, on the podcast platform that you're using to, to listen to this podcast thank you and that's all for now subscribe to our podcast our weekly newsletter on Central Europe from Central Europe